thanks for tuning in to this week's message on the Antioch Indie Podcast. We're a church that exists to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to make others great. We hope you encounter Jesus today while you listen to this message. Have an amazing day. Amen. Amen. Can we say thank you, worship team? Awesome. Great, great team. So thankful. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles. And something to take notes with this morning. Uh, Open up to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Anybody excited to be in church today? Anybody excited the person sitting next to you decided to show up? Awesome. If you you didn't tell them, just tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, I'm glad you're here. Nobody said hey to Chris Lange Bartles. I saw that. Chris, I'm glad you're here. (laughs) Matthew 28. We're going to read a couple of verses together, so go ahead and pull out something to take notes with. Man, church is awesome. God is good. It's good to be back in the country. We're going to talk some about the trip that was on this last week. So fun. Uh, We have been doing a series together that we have been calling The Gloves Are Off. The Gloves Are Off. Every year, uh, as the new year begins to turn, we, as a leadership team, Pray and ask God, Lord, is there anything specifically that you are speaking to us as a church for the coming year for us to focus on? And we believe this year that the Lord spoke this simple phrase, the gloves are off. And uh, it sounds awesome, but we don't totally know exactly what it means. Um, But something we've been saying over and over again, because it's just so important, is that when something confuses us about God, when something confuses us about something God says, when we don't fully understand something about God, it's not because he's pushing you away, it's because he's drawing you close. He's drawing you close. And we believe that's true for us as a family this year as we explore this word that if God is speaking something, uh, he wants to explain it to us. So we're signing up for the ride. Uh, This is, I think, the fourth week or so. We may talk about it just every week. It might be a 52-week long series. Um, But whatever. Either way, it's going to be fun. So the gloves are off. Was anybody here last week? It's a shout. My dad was preaching. I haven't been able to listen to it yet, so I hope it was good. It usually is, right? My thankful for Steve Zanaco, the OZ, as we call him. Matthew 28. Uh, this morning, I want to share a message with you. You can write this at the top of your notes. The title for this morning's message is The Gloves Are Off My Grid. The Gloves Are Off My Grid. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We're going to read those verses here. It says this And Jesus came and he said to them, Anybody thankful that Jesus comes? Jesus, this is the very end of the book of Matthew, which is uh, one of the biographies about Jesus' life that we call the Gospels in the Bible. This is the last few words in this particular uh, rendition of a biography of Jesus' life. He has lived his amazing life. He has died his terrible death. He has risen from the grave miraculously, and still he comes because he's not done. How many of you know God wasn't done when he rose from the grave? See, it was a, it was a starting, point, start, starting line, not a finishing line. Jesus came and he said, I want you to know Jesus is talking to you this morning. I don't know what you believe about God, what you think about God, but he comes to you and he speaks this morning. God is speaking. And Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Wow. Anybody heard those verses before? 
I have, but it's just good every time. One more time. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Like I mentioned, I wasn't here last Sunday. I was in a country in Southeast Asia called Myanmar. Everybody, anybody ever heard of Myanmar? I hadn't heard of it. Till, wow, that's pretty impressive. Can any of you point to Myanmar on a map? Fewer. Wow. Yeah, I couldn't. I'm, I'm a true American. I have no idea where anything is on the map. I know where America is. USA. <laughs> you know? I got invited to go uh, for about eight days to Myanmar. I was, I was traveling with uh, Jimmy Seibert, who's the, the founder and leader of the Antioch movement. Got to go with another one of our uh, U.S. pastors from Antioch, D.C. Did you know we have an Antioch in Washington, D.C.? It's amazing. It meets on the, the mall there in D.C. It's just incredible. God's doing great things. His name's Chase Moore. We got to go together, and it was awesome. I got a, uh, like a 30-second voice memo from Jimmy one day. Hey, got something going on in Burma for a couple days. You want to come? I'm like, can't say no to that. And that is all I knew about the trip before we left. That's all he ever told me. But I'm telling you, it was great. It was awesome. So I was there last week, and we had a great time. And I want to tell you some stories. Anybody cool for stories? Anybody cool for God's stories? Just incredible stuff. Um, we, we flew in. It took a long time. It takes a long time. For those of you, it's like over next to India-ish, so like exact opposite side of the globe, which, you know, it doesn't take as long to get there as it used to. You know what I'm saying? Which I'm thankful for that, but still, it takes a minute to get there. So we, we fly in, then we had to fly to an, another place. We drive up to kind of this mountain town in Myanmar, and when, right when we arrived, we, we pulled into a training that had been organized uh, that we were doing for some local pastors and believers to train them and equip them on how to do life group. Anybody go to life group? God's moving in life groups all around the world about how to, how to meet with God and other believers in your house, how to read the Bible together and talk about what God's doing, how to learn how to pray together, how to learn how to share the gospel with the people around you in your world. Sound familiar, anybody? It's awesome. And so we got to walk in and help people learn how to do that uh, where, where they're at there in Myanmar. And that was in the afternoon. And then at nighttime, uh, we were able to pull right into the second night of kind of a, a two-night evangelism campaign that had been put together by some friends that we have who are part of YWAM. Ever, anybody ever heard of YWAM, Youth with a Mission? Amazing global movement of young people taking the gospel to the nations of the earth. They're great friends, and we got to pull in. And they had actually put together uh, these evangelism campaigns in four different cities that were happening on the same nights all around the country. So cool. And we got to step into one of them. Ours was just a two-night kind of event. Some of them were up to four nights, and uh, it was really, really cool to step in and be able to be a part of that. So we, we show up. They've got this crazy stage, and they kind of start off by having some local Burmese musicians and stuff. We had the premier rapper of Myanmar with us. He's a Jesus lover, just absolutely amazing. He, 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 did, he put on a show for everybody, just really fun. There was about 1,200 people that showed up that night, so I got some pictures. I didn't go over it too much with the team, but so that's, that's night two, and uh, we just got this outdoor event going on. All these people show up for um, the, the entertainment, and then also we got to share the gospel with them. Um, Francis Chan was there. Anybody ever heard of him? You know, so he got to share the gospel, and then um, it was just amazing. When when we said, "Who want, does anybody want to know Jesus?" Hundreds of people run to the front to give their lives to Jesus. 
Jimmy was able to then come up after Francis and kind of facilitate a ministry time, a, a time of prayer for, for healing and miracles, uh, kind of like we do at the end of our service every week. So fun. Just, just doing church. Just doing church with the same Jesus, right? All these people come up and rush to the front to give their lives to Jesus. And we'd been praying before the event saying, God, is there anything you're speaking to specifically that you want to uh, heal tonight? And so we start calling out these things that we believe God was speaking. You know, raise your hand if you're having problems with your vision. Raise your hand if you're having any problems with, with hearing or anybody around you is having problems with hearing. Raise your hand if you have any disease in your body, if you can't walk, if you have illness, if you have pain. You know, all of these different things, raise your hand. People by the dozens raising their hands saying, I want prayer. And so the rest of our team, we were with about 30 people. We're just running around like chickens with our head cut off in the prayer and grabbing, grabbing people who kind of speak some English and praying for people, seeing miracle after miracle, miracle after miracle. People saying, I can't hear out of this ear. And all of a sudden they can hear. People saying, I, I can't really see very well out of my eyes. And now we're standing farther away and they can see clearly. People, one person who had had a stroke, she couldn't move one of her arms. And after praying for her, she's lifting it up, raising it over her head. Absolutely incredible. There was one story of a brother and a sister who were there together. They were teenagers and they had both been deaf since they were born. And a few days prior to this event, some of our team had gone out to their village to tell people about this event that was happening and invite them. And they found this family and they invited them to come and they, they prayed over their ears that day and nothing happened. They came to the first night of the campaign and uh, saw everything and people prayed for them the second night, prayed over their ears and nothing happened. They come again to the second night and our team is praying over the brother and the sister and nothing is happening. And all of a sudden the sister's eyes get real big and she starts looking around and she hears for the first time in her life. Wow. So they start praying for her brother. God, keep doing it. The team starts to pray for her brother and then one of them really feels strongly from the Lord. It's not for us to pray. So they grab the sister and they say, why don't you pray for your brother? She puts her hands on his ears and they start praying and his ears open up and he hears for the first time in his life. They didn't know how to speak because they had never heard before. So they start praying. And the first word this girl says is Jesus. <laughs> she say, who healed you? She says, Jesus. Jesus healed me. Absolutely incredible. I wish I could tell you some of the stories of what happened. God was moving. It was absolutely incredible. That was night one. At the end of our time, we ended up going back into a city a few days later and we met up with all of the other teams who had been doing these campaigns all around the country and we listened to testimonies for about two and a half hours of things that God had done just like that in multiple places around the country. Over those four different events, uh, just hopefully this encourages you just a little bit, over 56,000 people heard the gospel. 4,400, over 4,400 people came to give their life to Jesus. Over 800 people experienced healing of some kind in their bodies. Between the events and going out to the villages to invite people and all of these sort of things, all the teams combined gave over 100,000 Bibles or portions of scripture in their local language to these people who didn't have it. And over the days, every event also in the, that was, those were happening at night, what was happening in the mornings and afternoons were these trainings for local believers and pastors. And so over 1,100 local believers and pastors were trained in how to disciple people and how to do life group and how to do this house thing so that we can make disciples of the nations. It was awesome. 
The next day, uh, we did another training, just like we had done uh, this, that, that first day, and another training in a different place. There's about 150 or so local believers and leaders there, and I think we have a picture of that, too. I don't know. What's the, what's the next one after what I showed you? Yeah, yeah, there we go. Okay, so this is the room that we got to do uh, that in, and just the, the leaders of the teams, after doing these trainings, really felt like we needed to wash the feet of every single one of these local believers and pastors. Not just to, not only to love them like Jesus loved us, but to pray over them and prophesy over them and sort of agree with them and commissioning them to take the gospel to their nation. The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so we got to pray for one at a time. We line up all of these bowls on the ground. And I don't know that washing feet is ever like culturally appropriate. You know what I'm saying? Like, if we just said, we're going to do that, like, every single person in here be like, ah, it's a little awkward. So it was a little awkward at first, you know. It's definitely not culturally appropriate. But when love is in the room, you can get away with stuff. And uh, Jesus, you know, dying on the cross for the world wasn't exactly culturally appropriate. But it was full of love. And we got to love these people. And they just were coming up rows at a time. People being ministered to as we washed their feet and prayed for them. And just, they, they're praying. Some of them couldn't stop smiling. Even though we couldn't speak the language together, everybody knows what love is like. We got to pray for them. We got to prophesy over them. Some of them couldn't stop smiling, like I said. Some of them couldn't stop crying. Some of them didn't really know exactly what to do, just like I'm sure every single one of us would have a different reaction in such a powerful environment. But the presence of God was so powerful as people, we washed their feet, we prayed for them. Some, some people couldn't even stand up because the power of God was so strong. In the back of the room, uh, I, I was walking around trying to help uh, facilitate people going up to the front of the room. And there was these three siblings in the back of the room, probably ages from like five to 10. And uh, they're just standing there together with their hands raised, worshiping as we were playing music and praying. And I pulled a translator aside with them and just started to get their story. And uh, they all were following Jesus, but their, their families didn't know Jesus. And we got to pray with them that they would be leaders in their family. We got to pray together for their parents as we washed the feet of these children and sent them out to take the power of the gospel to their friends and to their family. Absolutely amazing. The day after that, as long as it's the second day, the day after that we had connected with this Burmese woman. Her name is Miss Lynn, and uh, this woman is a tornado of energy, and I wish we could have brought her home, uh, but she's amazing. She is uh, just this woman who has an incredible burden for the people of her country, and especially those who have never heard the gospel. She helps facilitate kind of big evangelism events like the ones we did all the time. But what her real heart is for the villages and the mountains, for people who have never heard of Jesus. And so she connected with us and basically said, hey, there's this village about an hour away that I've been building relationship with. She bought land there just so that they would know that she loved them. I mean, it's like this crazy lady. So she's like, I've been building a relationship with these people, and I'd like to take you and your team out there so that we can preach the gospel and pray for the sick. So we said, that's great. So we drive in these vans and we go up into the mountains and uh, we get to pull into this village where uh, I don't know if anybody had ever heard of Jesus before. I know, that, I know for a fact there was no believers at all. And so we uh, connect with the village leader and he invites the whole town into his house. And so we got everybody stacked into his little house and there's this little shrine in there for some idols uh, that we got to stand in front of as we worship Jesus and preach the gospel. We had somebody with us who led us kind of in some acapella worship songs, and we got to stand on the side of this mountain and be, as far as we know, the first people to ever worship Jesus on this mountain. 
We got to preach the gospel and share the testimony of the transforming power of Jesus. We had to pray for the sick and ask if they had any pain in their body. One woman, she couldn't hear out of one of her ears. And as they prayed, her ear opened up. And they said, well, what, what happened? And she said, while you were praying, I felt a wind blow through my ear. And now I can hear. <laughs> Another person they were praying for, he had pain in his body. And all of a sudden, he says, the pain went away. He said, what, what happened? What are, you, what are you feeling? He says, I feel like I'm getting washed in cold water all over my body. <laughs> the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being like wind. Being like water, God was touching his people. There's no making this stuff up. They hadn't been to some charismatic meeting before where they said, if somebody prays for you, make them feel good by telling them wind is blowing in your ear. <laughs> Every single person we prayed for that night, their pain left their body. It was just absolutely incredible to see Jesus do what only Jesus can do. After those few days, we flew back into one of the main cities of the, of the country where God was doing more incredible things. Things. We had some different uh, Antioch teams there. We had some teams of doctors who were doing surgeries and working in a slum that has about a million people in it. Uh, we got to come uh, meet a national partners. We got community centers, and we're partnering with them to help with different education, education stuff for the kids, business education, medical care to help break the cycles of poverty and sex trafficking that are happening because there's just no grid for understanding how to not get caught into some of these basic traps. Absolutely incredible to watch God brings these practical help to the people that he loves so much. <laughs> Along the way, there was a meeting with the vice president and his wife of the country, and uh, they are fiery Jesus people. Absolutely amazing. His, his wife is a wild prayer woman came to a five-hour prayer meeting that we had, and she was going after it the whole time. Ended up hosting some of our team for dinner to talk about how do we be a part of what God is doing in the nation of Myanmar. Oh, one of the uh, vice presidents of one of Asia's biggest airlines called and said he wanted to meet <laughs> out of the blue because he said that there's these airstrips there's 70 airstrips around the country that were cut into the mountains during World War II that have become overgrown and now they're unusable. And he, this man loves Jesus and he has a heart for people who have never heard. And all these airstrips are oftentimes closer to unreached people groups than the cities are. And so he wanted a partner to say, how can we partner together to organize clearing these airstrips, organizing flights and bush planes to go in so that we can send teams to those who have never heard the name of Jesus. God's just doing what God wants to do. I mean, isn't that crazy? Like, isn't that wild? Isn't that normal? Isn't it? Isn't that normal? I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I have a grid for normal, right? I have a grid for normal. I have a grid for kind of a framework in my life for what, what the normal Christian life looks like, for what normal church looks like, what just a normal Christian looks like. I've got a framework for normal. And I know this is true for me, but I wonder if it's also true for you that I am constantly being pulled by different things to shape my grid for what is normal, to shape that grid around what is comfortable, around what is culturally acceptable, around what is convenient around what is relatable, around what is palatable to the people around me and the world around me. But I believe God is calling us to take the gloves off our grid, 
take the gloves off of our grid for normal and instead let our grid for normal be defined by what his word says. Let our normal be defined by the life that Jesus lived. Let our normal be defined by the things that he says are now normal for those who have been born again by the grace of God, made completely new and filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a part of his purposes. I think God wants to take the gloves off our grid. He wants to take our gloves off our grid. And I believe that Jesus was giving us a center for our grid a center of our grid, a center to build around when he spoke these words to us in Matthew chapter 28. When he spoke to us, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There's a common question being asked I think not just in church circles, but probably in most of the circles that you are running around in. And I believe it's a question being asked by, by all people everywhere, by all generations. There's this question, what is my calling? What is my calling? And maybe people wouldn't use calling or maybe some people would use purpose. You know, it's kind of interchangeable in our world, depends on the circle you run in. What's my calling? What's my purpose? In church, we would say, what's God's will for my life? What has God called me to? I, I, I want to live out God's calling on my life. I just don't know what it is. I wish he would tell me what it is. I wish he would tell me what my calling is. This question of calling, this question of purpose, it's a great question. It's an honest question. I think it's just a human question. It's the right question, but our grid for what that answer should look like can freeze us. We're looking for the answer to look a certain way. We think it's got to sound like something. We have a grid for what that answer ought to be like. And when we don't get an answer that doesn't fit in that grid, we, then it's not the answer. And we're still asking the question, right? And when we don't have an answer to our calling, when we don't have an answer to our purpose, we're frozen, we're immobilized, we're stuck. That's why so many people are so frustrated, so angsty in their insides. I, I know I'm made for something. I just can't live out the something because I don't know what the something is. I wish something would tell me what my something is. What is my calling? I believe for us in the church, for too many of us as Christians, I know it's happened for me so often. I get frozen by not having an answer to this question of my calling. Too often I'm sitting still waiting for God to make it clear to me, Andrew, what, this is your calling. I'm asking so often, God, what is, what is my personal, unique, and individual calling that you have for my life? I want to live it, but if I knew, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it is. If I knew what it was, I would, I would do it. What is my personal, unique, individual calling? This morning, as we respond to this word and taking the gloves off of our grid, I want to invite all of us and maybe just challenge all of us to bring these verses of Matthew 28, 18 through 20, these verses we know in church called the Great Commission, I wanna invite and challenge all of us to bring the Great Commission in, back into the center of our grid for what God's call on our life is. I want us to force it back into the center. Maybe we gotta move something out of the way to let this Great Commission come right back into the center of what our grid is for what God has called us to. I'm not saying that there isn't a, a, a personal and unique individual call of God on your life. I'm not saying that at all. I believe 100% that there is a unique 
individual, personal call on your life. That's why you want to know the answer. That's why you ask the question. That's why everybody's wondering. There's not just the general thing of it's good to be alive, of it's good to be a good person, of I have value just because I'm alive. All of those things are true, but we all know there's something unique. There's something personal. There's something individual that we're called to, and that is true for you. But I want to tell you, you don't have to wait to understand what it is. I'd like to submit some clarity to you that Jesus gives, that you are uniquely, personally, and individually called to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that he has commanded us. And Jesus is with you always even to the end of the age. Too often we're waiting, God, make it clear. And I believe God has given us a new grid. He says, shape your life around this grid. And you'll find out the personal thing along the way. Too often we're sitting still waiting for this clarity when God has called us to move in the grid that he's given us. See, when, my, when the grid, when my grid for having a calling on my life is centered around me, it causes me to sit still and wait for something. But when my grid for God's call in my life is centered on him, I'm set free to go and do something. <laughs> okay, I want to put some feet to this this morning, okay? There's not a plane outside that we're all going on and we're moving to Burma, okay? That's not one of those messages. <laughs> you better brought your passport. The Lord is calling you to Myanmar. And if you don't, you're not saved. It's not one of those things. Come on. We're not, we're not doing that. But I do want to put some feet to this this morning. And I'd like to submit to you this morning two places that we are all called to go. Two places we're all called to go. Spoiler alert, it's not me and Mar, okay? So relax. Two places that I'd like to submit to you that we are all called to go as we discover and live out the call that God has on our life. Number one, we are all called to go here. We are all called to go here. Right here. We are called to here. And I, I know this isn't rocket science, but, but wherever you are, there you are. Right? Yeah. Wherever you are, there you are. And, and, and this verse says right here, verse 20, Behold, I am with you always, even to the ed, end of the age. God is with you where you are. God is moving where you are. God is speaking to you here. God loves you here. God loves the people around you when you're right here. If, if you aren't where you want to be, that's okay. God is, still, God is still here with you, even if you don't like you're here. God, God, if you're not where you want to be, if you're not where you're supposed to be, it's okay. Just keep listening to God, and he'll get you where you need to go. If sin has gotten you somewhere you don't want to be or shouldn't be, just repent, turn around, and start following God wherever he tells you to go. You don't have to have it all figured out. Wherever you are, there you are, and God is there too. God is right here. God wants to bring his kingdom here. God wants to bring his kingdom here in your home, here in your workplace, here in your high school, here in your family, here in your neighborhood, here in your family group. Wherever your sphere is, that's where your here is. God wants to come right here. You are called to hear. You are called to go here on purpose, not just to show up places, but to be there, but to be right here. Behold, I am with you always. Where is God moving? Right here. And you are called here, like literally here. If this is your church, you are called here. I want to talk about church for a second. Can we talk about church at church? If this is your church, you are called here. 
None of us are going to step into the call of God on our lives outside of the people of God. We all need one another. We all need this thing that we're doing here together. If this is your church, then you are called here. And honestly, like most of everybody, it's just like does an amazing job of this already. Although like the ownership around here is crazy. I mean, you guys seem to care about some things more than I do around here. Like, this is just not my show. You know, like, anybody think, anybody love this church? You're just like, I love these people. This is my church. It's absolutely amazing. So you are amazing at this. And starting with me, I need to re-up. I want to re-up again. I want to believe there's more. I want to, I want to give more. I want to be more committed to the, the things and the people that God has called us to. I just want to, I don't just want to show up here. I want to own that I'm called here. And I want to invite all of us to, to open that up again in our hearts. God, I don't, I don't, where am I just showing up? Where am I just showing up? I don't want to just show up here. I want to own that I'm called here. I mean, do you have any idea what God could do with us? Like us, the person next to you, you, the person behind you, me. Do you have any idea? The truth is, we don't. We don't have any idea. The Bible says that God is wanting to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. You can't pray a prayer big enough. You can't ask an ask big enough. You can't think a thought big enough. We, that's what God wants to do. That's what God wants to do. And I'm not even talking about doing all the crazy stuff. I'm just talking about being here. Like if we will just show up and be here, God's ready to do something crazy. God is doing something crazy. And he wants to do more things crazy. I'm, like just the basics. If we can all keep each other accountable, if we can commit to this, if we can own our calling that I am called here, like if we all came here on purpose every week on time, imagine what would happen. Seriously, I'm, I, I'm it's, like it's laughing, but seriously, because like, you're amazing. And when you step into the room, God is on your life. The people around you need what's on your life. You need what's on the person next to you. Like we're in this together. What could God do if we just showed up on purpose, if we, if we knew we were called here, if we all tithed here, if we all owned our life group? Not, it's not my life group leader's life group, it's mine. This is my life group. This is my church. This is what I'm called to. This is mine. If we all served on Sundays like it was our own house, like so many of you do, but if we, if we just all did it and we all re-upped again every week, we just came together and said, this is my house. I'm going to welcome people into my house. This is my, I'm going to pick up the trash because it's mine. I'm going to take care of these kids because they're not my kids, but they're my kids. Like, what could God do with us right here? What could God do right here? Like I said, please hear me. You're all crazy good at this. And the majority of everybody in this church is already doing this, but I want to invite all of us to ask the question, Lord, where do I need to, just, where do I need to stop coming here and start living like I'm called here? Is there any calling that I can pick up? We're called here. Secondly, the second place we're all called to is there. We're all called there. We're all called there. there. There is something so powerful that happens when we make the uncomfortable and challenging decision to expand our faith and participate not only in our here, but what God is doing there. What God is doing there, outside of our own little life, outside of our own little circles, outside of our own city, our own nation, our own, uh, or in the nations of the earth. There, how many of you know there, like there being everywhere you aren't? How many of you know there's a big place? <laughs> there's a really big place, which just means there's lots of opportunities. <laughs> just pick a there, <laughs> Right? 
If you've been with us over the last few months, you know that as we're heading into this year, we are really trying to focus on um, owning there, not just here as a people. We, we believe that God is, is calling us to be more intentional more, and specifically with just other nations and what God is doing in the nations of the earth, not just um, or specifically even among the unreached. And that sounds like a crazy thing to say. And I know that for me, whenever somebody starts saying that, I got a hundred reasons why I can't fit into that box, why I can't do that. Well, I'm already trying my hardest. Now, does God need me to do one more thing? Of course, I'm coming to church feeling bad that I'm not there, right? Let's just call it out. That's not where we're going. God doesn't want to make you feel bad. I believe that God wants you to understand how equipped you are to go there right now. There's three things that you can do to go there right now. Number one, you can pray. Number one, you can pray. We can always participate in what God is doing out there when we pray. You can pray anywhere. You can pray anytime. You can pray any way. God is inviting you to pray, intentionally praying for the nations, praying for people who don't know Jesus, praying for people who have never heard. It's a great way to participate in what God is doing outside of our own little lives. And if you hear that and you're like, gosh, nations of prayer, I'm not good to be the one of those things. Good news. We are doing all kinds of things to help us all learn how to pray together. I know I sure need, need to learn how to pray. The first Wednesday of every month, we've started a day of, of, of fasting, and then the nighttime, we do a prayer and worship service here. And if you are like, I don't know how to pray, or I just want to take a step forward in prayer, it's a great place to start. It's a great place to start. There's one coming up on February 5th. We've got the details right there. It's here in this room. If you are like, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll show up. I'll show up. I'll, I'll at least just go there. And I'll let my heart go there in prayer. I'll learn how to pray. Just show up. Show up on that Wednesday, February 5th. Show up in this room. And just say, say, God, would you teach me to pray? You can pray. The second thing we can do to participate in there is give. We can pray and we can give. Like we say every week, Jesus says that our hearts are going to be where our treasure is. And he's right. You don't even have to be super spiritual. Like, Nothing makes you care about something like putting your own money into it, right? All of a sudden, you care about something you didn't care about before. You put 100 bucks on it. It's like, dang. That was just me. Anybody else care about your 100 bucks? Okay. <laughs> we can give. Giving is an incredible invitation from God. Such a simple thing that it's hard, but it's simple. And we can take him up at this invitation to give. I know many of you, if you've spent time in church and have relationships with people, you probably get letters or asks uh, every year for people who are going on mission trips and things like that who are raising money. And I just want to invite you to participate in that this year if somebody reaches out to you. Not everybody. I don't give it to everybody. But just have a heart to say, Lord, I'm going to give something to somebody. I want to, I want to make space in my heart for what God's doing in the nations. And if you don't have anything to give to, I've got an opportunity for you. Our discipleship school is going on a trip to Albania. We're going to put some details up here. If you are like, you know what? I need to take my first step in giving to what God is doing in the nations. It's never like giving isn't free, so it doesn't feel free, right? So don't wait for it to feel free. It always feels like it costs something because it costs something to give your heart. It costs something to care. And I want to invite you to do it. There's just really simple details. If you go to antiochindy.com slash give, there's a drop down menu. Just pick somebody in the class and you can give something. Maybe you know somebody in the class and you want to pull them aside after church or something and say, hey, how can I partner with you? I want us to be challenged to be a people who it can be so small, but let it be something. We can always pray. We can give. And the third thing that we can do is we can go. We can pray.
go everywhere, but sometimes we can go somewhere. Sometimes the time is right. Sometimes it works out and I can go somewhere. Just like giving, it's usually not convenient to go somewhere. Have you ever been there? Have you ever realized how inconvenient it is to get there? I realized how inconvenient it was to get there last week. And it was expensive. And it was uncomfortable. It was inconvenient for a whole lot of reasons. There was things that were happening around here that I've been planning to be a part of for months. And I was just like, well, I guess I'm out of here. It costs something to go, but, but it's okay. It's going to be okay. It's worth it to go. Not only does God do amazing things in the places that we go, but God does amazing things in us when we go. It's not only about what, what happens when we're there. It's about what happens right in here. God is moving. And God is calling you in your life. We've got an opportunity for you this year. And I want to challenge all of you to just at least think about it. Just don't, don't write it off. Just because it's never worked before, it doesn't mean it can't work this time. As a church, we're taking a trip to Tijuana, Mexico. We've got an interest meeting coming up February 9th at 12.30 here at church. If there's 1% that thinks it might work out this time, just show up and ask the next question. It might not work, but it might. It might work. And God wants to do something amazing in and through you. Every single one of us are what these verses are all about. When Jesus looked at every single one of us and said, God, thank you again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can check us out on social media at Antioch Indy or go to our website www.antiochindy.com.